My first article that I'll share with you is from myjewishlearning.com. So get yourself comfortable for the next hour or less, <laughs> depending on how it goes. And uh, if you want to have notes, take notes, breathe, remember to breathe in through the nostrils. And exhale twice as long through either the nose or mouth and start to think about the physical realm, the nefesh that we're in, elevating into the ruach of the soul, heading upward toward the neshama. And the other two levels, according to Chabad, is not much written about, according to what I've read so far. The Chaya and the Yechida. And let us listen and take it in. There are gates in heaven that cannot be opened except by melody and song. Attributed to Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi, founder of Chabad. From the time of its emergence in the 18th century, the Hasidic movement turned to music and dance as powerful forms of Jewish religious expression. One result was the Hasidic nigun, which is Hebrew for melody, the plural being nigunim, a new genre of Jewish vocal music. Glory, glory, glory. Let me adjust my mic a little bit. Other, often described as a mystical music prayer or a spiritual language beyond words, the Hasidic nigun is a fundamental part of all Ashkenazi culture and is, in the words of one Hasidic master, the pen of the soul. And I'm learning just now that it's Ashkenazi, and that makes sense because Joey Weisenberg penned Sheves Achim, which is Ashkenazi. I would say Shevet Achim, because I lean toward the Sephardic, but either one is fine. Today's song will be in the Sephardic tongue. Musically speaking, Hasidic nigunim vary enormously in style, form, and feeling. Some are slow and meditative. Okay, others fast and jubilant. Nevertheless, they generally share certain basic features. They are songs formed of multiple melodic phrases, typically sung without instrumental accompaniment and without words. This is why anybody can join the circle, because you don't need to know the words. There aren't any until you decide to use some, which you can, you may. This last feature, while not found in every Hasidic nigun, is one of the genre's most distinguishing characteristics. In, in place of words, repeated, so to speak, nonsense syllables such as bam, 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 and doi, doi, doi are used. But I don't like to call them nonsense. I call them baby language. Ga, ga, goo, goo. We don't say ga, ga, goo, goo in a nigun, but you know what I'm saying. Nigunim are also performed in a distinctive expressive vocal style with dramatic inflection similar to cantorial music referred by the Yiddish words 
crext. In other words, moan. I wonder if I said that right. K-R-E-K-H-T-S. Crext. Moan. Sigh or sob. And knetch means pinch. Well, that would explain why I cry when I sing. Now I know there's a word for it, a Yiddish word. Not that I plan to sing. It's rather embarrassing, but sometimes when I go into the deep, that's exactly what happens. The unique form and features of Hasidic nigunim reflect the creative and radical nature of Hasidic theology. To be sure, the connection between music and Jewish prayer was not a holy Hasidic invention. In fact, music had always played a central role in Jewish religious life, a fact to which both ancient biblical texts such as the Book of Psalms and medieval liturgical songs piyutim testify. Likewise, medieval Jewish mystics developed complex ideas about the theological and even magical power of music in the universe. However, the rabbis took a decidedly cautious, sometimes even negative attitude towards music, out of concerns about piety and the role of music in Gentile religious and cultural traditions, they generally discouraged the use of instrumental music in the synagogue and banned it altogether on the Sabbath and holidays. I'll be using my Les Paul today, just to let you know. Most crucially, they insisted that text mattered more than melody. Thus, in traditional lit liturgy and medieval religious poetry, Individual melodies were frequently changed, but the Hebrew and Aramaic texts were considered sacred and unalterable. Musically speaking, the revolution of the 18th century Hasidic movement was to elevate music to a symbolic place above sacred text. Now, melodies themselves were not only acceptable, but even in some cases more important than words. According to Hasidic tradition, this idea began with the founder of Hasidim, Rabbi Israel Baal Shem Tov, or the Besht, 1698 to 1750. The Baal Shem Tov is credited with emphasizing the importance of vocal music as a form of personal confession and spiritual expression. He taught that song is an even greater form of spiritual expression than traditional prayer and that the Hasidic Nigun was a musical path to God that transcended the limitations of language itself. There remain many Nigunim attributed to the Baal Shem Tov, including Dem Rebnes Nigun. This same reverence for the Nigun and belief in its great spiritual power continued down through the generations of Hasidic rabbinic dynasties, the centrality of this is expressed in many sayings, such as Rabbi Nachman of Breslov's music originates from the prophetic spirit and has the power to elevate one to prophetic inspiration and song is the soul of the universe. I'm getting excited. I can't wait to sing. One of the most famous Hasidic composers was Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi, 1745 to 1812, the founder of the Chabad Lubavitch movement. For this first Lubavitcher Rebbe, melody was an outpouring from the individual human soul. 
Words only interrupted the stream of emotions. Furthermore, melodies with text were limited in time because they only lasted as long as the words. The Song of the Souls, on the other hand, consists of tones only, dismantled of words. As such, they reached on to the truly cosmic level of the universe. Glory, glory, glory. I'm getting excited. Schneer Zalman is credited with the composition of one of the most famous Hasidic nigunim, the Nigun of the Four Gates, or Nigun Arbabavos, said to have been written during his imprisonment by the Tsarist government in St. Petersburg in 1798. This Nigun has four sections, which build in musical intensity. They have been interrupted, excuse me, <laughs> they have been interpreted in a variety of ways. One common interpretation is that they represent a human process of soul expression, leading to a spiritual awakening, receiving the divine, cleaving to God, and then the soul separation from the body and ascent to the heavens. Oh, glory! Another interpretation is that the four gates represent the four mystical spiritual realms of Asiya, which is activation, Bria, creation, Yetzira, formation, and Atsilut, divine emanation. Still another view holds that the four sections symbolize four stages of God's creation of the universe. One, the physical world. Two, the natural world, consisting of plants and animals. Three, humankind. And four, the heavens. Types of Nigunim. Later Hasidic Rebbe's continued to ascribe both mystical, magical power to Nigunim and extolled the more basic, if no less powerful, effects of music on human psychology. Over time, different kinds of Nigunim developed amongst various Hasidic communities and in the large East European Jewish world. There are many different kinds of Nigunim associated with Talmud study, prayers, and other aspects of traditional Jewish life. Roughly speaking, however, the three main kinds of Hasidic Nigunim are Dvechut Nigunim, Dance Tunes, and Tish Nigunim. Now let's look deeper into the three types of Nigunim. 1. Dvechut Nigunim are usually slow-tempo melodies in free rhythm in other words, you're not using a metronome, or changing meter, with a reflective mood. Their name derives from the biblical passage in Deuteronomy 13.4, and cleave unto him, that refers to the individual's attempt to commune with God. That's what we're doing here. They are usually performed by individuals. And in this text here, by My Jewish Learning, I would change the word performed because it's not a performance at all. It is usually expressed by individuals, an expression of the soul in wordless melodies. Number two, dance tunes are simpler, faster, and more rhythmic and metrical, designed to be sung by a group during dancing. They are usually performed in unison without harmony. 
And the last one, number three, Tish Nigunim, a.k.a. Table Tunes, which my Rabbi Sam is starting in the month of April 22, and I hope to be there. Woohoo! Tish Nigunim, or Table Tunes, are slower and more complex, often sung at Sabbath or holiday meals or in the presence of Hasidic Rebbe. Oh, Rabbi Sam, maybe you consider yourself a Hasidic Rebbe. I'm still getting to know you, but I'm so glad you're my rabbi, you and Rabbi Rosenthal. What a blessing, double blessing. Where do the melodies of Hasidim Nigunim come from? I can tell you where mine come from. I dream the melodies. I hear them in my sleep. I try to rush to my phone and record them in the middle of the night because I forget them if I wake up in the morning and wait till then. And I'm also, as Joey Weisenberg's student, hearing them from him. He's teaching us Nigunim. But in this story, while many tunes are ascribed to specific musicians or famous rebbies, other were adopted from a diverse array of sources, including the traditional Jewish prayer, modes to Cossack dances, Polish military marches, East European folk songs, Near Eastern dance tunes, and even Central European waltzes. The use of secular or non-Jewish melodies for Niganim was not considered a problem for Hasidic Jews. On the contrary, Hasidic thought contains a notion of tikkun, literally fixing, whereby non-Jewish or secular melodies can be spiritually redeemed and restored to their religious state by being sung as nigunim, either with new religious lyrics or without words altogether. Well, a famous example of this tikkun is the Hungarian nigun Gules Gules, spelled G-U-L-E-S. According to tradition, the Kalaver Tzadik Isaac Isaac Toib of Kalev in 1744 to 1821 was once walking in the Ukrainian forest when he heard a pastoral shepherd singing a love song in Ukrainian. The Hasidic Jew was captivated by the song whose lyrics spoke of the shepherd's longing for his love, separated from him by the vast forest. The Hasidic Rebbe took the song and translated the lyrics into Yiddish, replacing the lyrics description of the secular love with a description of his soul's longing for Shekinah, the mystical divine presence of God. He then asked the shepherd to sing the song, but the young man found he had forgotten it. See, that's what happens. You forget it sometimes. Whereupon the Hasid explained, I have purified that nagoon and returned it to its holy sources. So that's why we forget sometimes because the song returns back where it came from. In modern times, this process of musical borrowing and exchange worked in many unpredictable directions. Hasidic nigunim found their way into Zionist folk and popular music. For example, Ava Nagila, Ava Nagila. Yiddish theater and European, <laughs> let me say that again, European classical music. Perhaps the best evocation of the modern transformations of Hasidic Nigunim comes in a famous short story by the Yiddish writer Y.L. P. 
parrots in this work called A Gilgul Fun Ungoon, The Transmigration of a Melody. The author describes the tale of a nigoon that wanders from town to town in Eastern Europe as various people heard it and borrow it temporarily. After beginning its life as a wedding melody composed for a Hasidic Rebbe, it goes on to become a Jewish memorial prayer in another shtel, then moves via Kiev to the Yiddish theater in Warsaw, only to end up being played as a poor organ grinder's tune in the circus. The Nagoon's wanderings continues from house to house, person to person, town to town, and eventually back to the Hasidic Rebbe. But the melody's migration is not yet done. At the tale's end, it departs with one of its bearers to a new destination. America! Parrot's story abruptly conveys the fate of Hasidic Nigunim in the modern world. They continue to live multiple, often unpredictable lives, both in present-day Hasidic communities and other parts of the world. And I want to thank MyJewishLearning.com for this wonderful excerpt about a mystical musical prayer, the Nigun. So let us continue as I wait for people to come. <laughs> You're welcome to pop in anytime if you'd like to interrupt the flow and share with us a nigun that has blown into your ear and you want to just spontaneously sing it with us. Maybe you don't want to teach, you just want to sing it. Come on in. Come to my website, aslifehappens.org. Hop on the Zoom link and you're welcome to come into this group. Nigun Zoom. Okay, so let's do one more thing before we get to singing. I'd like to share a mini story from the Jewish Healing Center.org and it's called Judith and the Nigun, dated October 7th, 2018. This is about illness and how singing perpetuates healing healings when judith became very ill her closest family members lived two thousand miles away they weren't available to care for her on a daily basis or visit her as often as they wanted to when judith's daughter did come to see her in the hospital a rabbi from the healing center would join them Judith's daughter mentioned how her mother loved music. There was rarely a moment when Chopin or Mozart wasn't playing over the radio. On her last visit, Judith's daughter watched her mother, her eyes closed and her breathing shallow. The rabbi took the daughter's hand while holding Judith's hand and began singing a nigun, which is a wordless melody. Together they were present with Judith. Without words, they nourished Judith and lifted her spirit. When the singing stopped, Judith's daughter noticed that there were many feet behind the closed curtain draped around her mother's bed. She went to pull back the curtain and 
standing outside the perimeter of the curtain were the nurses, the doctor, and attendants working that floor. Their tear-streaked faces said it all. And that is the power of a nigun. So let us look at today's nigun. And I will share an excerpt from Joey Weisenberg's book, The Torah of Music, while I do a screen share. Let us get to the screen share. Yes. Okay. This is from page 28 of The Torah of Music. When we sing, we hope to allow ourselves to experience a state of elevation, a taste of the heavens, a glimpse of the best versions of ourselves. The musical form of almost every nagoon mimics a ladder. It tries to get us to rise up and journey with it. Each melody starts low, on the earth, so to speak, gradually rises in the second section, reaches the heavens in the third, and then descends again when the B section repeats at the end and returning us to the groundedness, representing a full spiritual journey. And you'll notice if you're watching this video, there is an A section marked in the sheet music by Joey Weisenberg and a B section of the song so he's saying that we rise up with the journey and we descend to the B section at the end. Now, I'm not promising you that that's what I'll do, but that's the general pattern of singing a nagoon. If music brings us up, why does the melody ever need to come back down, is the question. Why don't we just stay in the heavenly abodes of our musical imagination forever? Which I'd like to do. Well, for better or for worse, a ladder leads both up and down. As it says in Genesis, the musical angels go up and they go down. While singing transcends earthly matters, it also helps us to rediscover the human potential of life on the ground. Singing signals not an escape from life, but an imaginative attempt to remind us of what is yet possible. Music offers us rung after rung to climb to the heavens, where we hope to discover our best selves so that we can then emulate that holiness in our regular lives. So I've given you a lot of food for thought, soul food, so to speak. And I'm hoping that you will engage with me either live during this broadcast or singing along in the archives or on the podcast, because this is also on a podcast on anchor.com okay let's hear let's hear the song and I'm going to 
Give me a moment while I adjust my screen, my desktop. Try to find that video. There it went. Okay. I'm like, where did that video go? And let us listen to Sheva Zachim in this video. If you're watching live, you'll see the video available on YouTube. I'm not claiming any credit to this. I'm just sharing this because Joey Weisenberg is my teacher. Just hear the melody, let it seep into your soul and start the ascension.
that big smile from Joey Weisenberg as he leads the Hadar Rising Song Choir. And now we will sing together. And allow the spirit to take us to higher elevations. You can see my Les Paul. Die, 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 die
die, 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 singing. I hope you will join me. If you would like to facilitate a session spontaneously coming into this group with your nigun that has blown into your ear, just to share it with me, it would be such a blessing. Now that we understand after listening to this broadcast that we're taking a nigun, if we've heard it for the first time from the heavens, or learning it from another soul, in this case, Joey Weisenberg, lifting it up and then bringing it down to this level of the world, Asiya, the physical garment, the Melchut of the Sephirot, and sharing it with the world Tikkun Olam, for healings, for gathering, for unity, for love. Join me every Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, either from the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Nigun with two G's, Nigun Zoom, or for the Zoom link, go to my website, aslifehappens.org. Thank you for listening, and until we meet again, I wish you all peace, salam.
Shalom.